Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, it, it cost her something. It cost her some effort. Hallelujah. What, what just happened, she just preached my word. She just preached it. I'll explain it in a minute. Y'all see the shirt that I'm wearing. <clears throat> Hallelujah. It's, it's prophetic. It's because just a few, I don't know, probably a few months ago, this shirt would not have been found in my closet, <laughs> much less on my body. I'm just telling you, I'm a, it's out of my normal realm. I like black and gray and camouflage. <laughs> but when I saw this shirt, I knew I had to have it. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> okay, I'm just... <laughs> I mean, I like color, but it's like men are not comfortable with color on them. Okay? Most men. Here a few days ago, I was sitting on the couch with Dana. And I was, we were watching a music, uh, a young music group playing in front of an audience of, I don't know, thousand or more people and the thought come to me they they don't have a normal life they don't have a normal life and while I was sitting there watching them God asked me a question and I'm relaying that question to you because it's not just for me He said, this is what he said, are you willing to give up life as you know it? Jeannie did that. That's what baptism is. She gave up life as she knew it. She's starting a whole new journey. Are you willing to give up life as you know it. 
Not that your life is bad. Not that you're doing anything wrong, but are you willing to give up life as you know it? Think about how you know it. What do you know about your life? My life basically consists of working 12-hour days or 12-hour nights at the mill. That is a major portion of my life. Coming to church when I'm off and when I can. When God asked me that question, I didn't immediately jump up and say, yes, Lord. I told Dana what he asked, and I still hadn't answered the question yet. <laughs> it took, it didn't took days, it took several minutes before I answered it, and I said yes. But it's like I knew that this question, this is a very sobering, it is a very big very life-changing question when God asks you, are you willing to give up life as you know it? Because I think about what I know. I like, to, I like to hunt some. I like to fish some. I like to, you know, go places, go on vacation here and there and do, all, do things. I'm not saying that he's going to require me to give all that up. What if he does? What if he does? Like evangelist Charles. He's an evangelist. He has a life around here. He does things. He he sees people. But look at Reinhard Bonnke. Are you willing to go to that step to where your life is no more your life? See, we got to prayer on that Thursday after God had asked me this question. An apostle was here in which she was teaching on being stretched. Being stretched. Being stretched. Being stretched means letting God pull you out of where you are into something different. It's required for growth. It is required for growth. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse, verse 1. says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all thy families be blessed, of the earth be blessed. See, we like verse 2. We like that one. It says, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. 
We like that one. Verse 1 is the first step into verse 2. Basically what God said, the Lord said to him, is get out of your familiar place. Get out of what you are familiar with. Get out of your comfortable place. For me to ever get up here, I had to get out of my comfortable place. My comfortable place was sitting about two or three pews back. That was my comfortable place. And then God began to require. He didn't push me. He didn't force me. He didn't drag me. That still small voice when I'm sitting there in the pew. I think I'm sitting about where Miss Wanda is. Sitting there. Praise and worship going on. I stood up. You know, that's what we do. He said, get in the aisle. But that's my comfortable place. I'm hiding behind a pew. He said, get in the aisle. This is how I got in the aisle. I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, I, by the time the song was over, I was in the aisle. Okay? But it didn't stop there. He required me to come on down to the front. But I'm going to tell you a key right here. Once I made it to the aisle, I stayed in the aisle. Never went back to the pew. When that praise and worship started, it was automatic in the aisle. That's a key. You ever go back in the pew, then you got to conquer that aisle all over again. The same process all the way down to the front. Finally made it to the front. Then for some reason we changed sides. I don't know. And ended up sitting on the front, which was wonderful. Then all I had to do was stand up. Now I'm just telling you that's the way it went. All I had to do was stand up, and I'm already at the front. But God didn't leave it there. Move on up. See, that's the process a little at a time. You see, Abraham had to trust God. When God told him to get out of your comfortable comfort zone, get out from around your family, and go. He didn't tell Abraham, I'm going to go right over, you go right over there, See that spot? That's where I want you at. He just said, go. That's what he told him, to go. Abraham could have said, no, you, I need more information than that. That's what a lot of us do. Okay, God, if I step out, what else, what am I going to have to do when I step out? Let's look at Samuel. First Samuel, verse 16. I mean, first Samuel, chapter 16, verse 11. 
This is the story about David, where David's going to be anointed to be king. It says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? See, because you go back into verse 3 and in verse 5, it says that God told Samuel to call Jesse. He was going to dethrone Saul and anoint a new king out of the family of Jesse. So Samuel called Jesse, and Jesse brought his sons, all of them but one, the youngest one. Samuel went through the process and looked at all of them, because he knew what God had told him, but he didn't see what God had told him amongst all of Jesse's sons. So he asked him, is this all of them? And then Jesse said, no, I have another one, the youngest one. He's in the field tending sheep. He said, go get him. See, when God is calling us to do some things, calling us up, some people are going to think we're not qualified to go up. Going to be saying, why is, why is God calling him? Why is God calling her? What have they done? All of this stuff. Because Jesse, David's dad, didn't even consider him. If he had, he wouldn't have left him in the field. He said, get your sons. We're fixing a sacrifice. Left David in the field. He wasn't even considered by his own dad. Then we know the story, but Samuel knew what God said, so he waited until David came, and then he anointed him. So when we're called to go up to another level, just like stepping out in the aisle, just like doing, well, just like Apostle said when she danced, somebody opposed it. There will be opposition. It may be a person, or it may be just be a voice in your head. First time I ever danced before the Lord well first well, first time I ever turned around, dance told me to dance and turn around. You know what he told me? They're watching you. But it wasn't that y'all were watching me. I'll t see, it was Biggin. Biggin's my friend. Been my friend for years. He was sitting back there somewhere. Biggin's watching you. Biggin wasn't watching me. I finally got the nerve up to dance and turn, spin around. Big one wasn't even paying me any attention. <laughs> but that's what the enemy said. I mean, he's my friend. He's watching you. Opposition. Opposition comes.
See, there's a process we have to go through to go to the next level. There are, there's always a process. Apostles, I've heard, heard my word preached several times this morning. <laughs> Apostles said we don't jump from here. We don't skip levels. You've got to be faithful in this little thing, faithful, and just keep being faithful, maintaining your ground, being faithful. But the problem is we get comfortable with where we are. right we get comfortable and don't want to advance let's look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 start there it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. It means they were fishermen. It's what they did for a living. Jesus walked by. He walked by and said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They answered apparently quicker than I did. Because <laughs> straightway means immediately. They left what was familiar. They left what they were comfortable doing to follow and step into the unknown. Because that's what, it, what we're actually doing when we follow God. And he says, do something, we're stepping into the unknown. We're stepping into something that we don't know what's coming next. See, the process is, you can find it in Matthew 25, the story of the talents. It says, he that is faithful in a little... I will make ruler over much. That's not just talking about money. That's talking about every, every area. Every area that God has us to step into. He that is faithful in the little, I will make ruler over much. You know, the word tells us that we are Abraham's seed. And it tells us all the blessings that that are ours because we're Abraham's seed. And we like those, don't we? We like the blessings of Abraham. But there's a key. We all want the blessings of Abraham. But if we want the blessings of Abraham... We got to do what Abraham did. <laughs> we got to do what Abraham did. And I'm not talking about pack up your stuff and move, because that was instructions to Abraham. 
what I mean by saying we got to do what Abraham did was we got to obey. When God says, if God does say pack up and move, we pack up and move. If God doesn't, if he says go to your neighbor's house, and you go to your neighbor's house. If he says get out in the aisle, you get out in the aisle. That is doing what Abraham did. That's what you have to do. That is the process. Because the Bible tells us the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. The willing and obedient. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter three. Verse eighteen. It says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord says, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, when we get into the presence of God, like we have today, we get into his glory. There is always an opportunity to change. Because it says that we are changed from glory to glory. Change is in the glory. opportunity for change is in the glory but we have to step into that we got quite a few scriptures this morning let's look at Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1, we start at verse 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Then verse 8, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. What Jesus said right there, when he spoke to them, Jesus basically said, your lives are going to change as you know it. They weren't witnesses unto the uttermost part of the earth when this was spoke. But it said, your lives are fixing to change after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. There was 500 that had the opportunity to go to the upper room. 120 went. 120 tarried. They followed the instructions. And those 120 were changed. (laughs) Their 
their lives were never the same. That 120, well, it tells us, you know, that the Holy Spirit come in like a wind, and they spoke in tongues, and they, uh, people thought they were drunk. And then this same Peter, the one that denied Jesus to a young girl, <laughs> you know, this big burly fisherman denied Jesus to a young girl. But when the Holy Ghost come upon him, this same Jesus walked out and preached with power and with authority. And 3,000 people got saved. I would say that his life changed. That as he knew it, his life was changed. You see, when the wind of the Holy Spirit blew through, he grabbed hold of it. Sometimes the wind of the Holy Spirit blows through here. Well, it blows through here every Sunday. Not sometimes, every Sunday. It blows through here. The glory comes in. The opportunity for change is here. But we can sit there and let it blow all around us. We can feel the breeze and be comfortable. And no change take place. Peter grabbed hold of that and didn't let it go. So we have to enter in to what's coming. We have to enter in to what's taking place. Sometimes we, we want to sit, because I've, I've done it. We'll sit and say, well, that's not for me. That's for somebody else needs to grab hold of that. That's the truth. Maybe y'all hadn't done it, but but in Acts 10, 34, he said that God is not a respecter of persons. So what's available for me is available for anybody. What's available You ever wonder why Dr. Mars Cirillo is where he's at? Obedient. He answered the call. He stepped into it. Because you can't tell me that God, who wants to save every soul on the planet, just spoke to one man to build him an army and take over. Or spoke to a few, because we don't have that many on the planet I know of like Dr. Mars Cirillo and Reinhard Bonnke are the two major ones that you hear about evangelists. You think God that wants to save every soul spoke to just those two? No. He's spoken to a lot that never answered the call. Amen. We can justify not selling out. We can justify it. We, we can have some good excuses. 
<laughs> you know, I told you about David. He, uh, he was anointed king. He was young. I don't know how old he was, but I, I don't think he was even 20 years old. I think he's probably still a teenager at that time. I'm not sure. He could have said, I'm too young. I've got too much to do. Maybe 10, 15 years from now, you can, after I've had my fun, I can, you can anoint me king. I'm too young. What about Abraham? You know, God told him he was going to have a, have a son when he was like 100 years old. He could have said, uh, no, I'm too old. I'm too old, my wife's too old. That ain't happening. But he didn't do that. And then we got Moses. This is one that I could have used. God wanted him to go and confront Pharaoh. First thing Moses says is, I can't talk. You know, when I first started here, I was so, I would, told, I would have told you that I wasn't scared of anything. Been in the woods at night, it's not a big deal. This little thing right here scared me. Scared me. I was the type of person, and, and you hear this in a lot of the ministers here, that if nobody was here except for me and maybe Brother Ernie, if he was over here working on something, maybe cleaning that window, and I was over there, if I had something to tell him, I wouldn't talk to him across the room. I would literally have to go talk to him. That's where I was. But little by little, step by step, that broke. Where now, this, is, this doesn't scare me. Wearing a this doesn't scare me. But you get there little by little. And in Acts 10 where it says God is no respecter of persons, you know what that actually does? It takes all excuses away. You have no more excuses. Sorry. God just took them away. We have no more excuses for not doing what God says. Because when we begin to look at our excuses, there is a common denominator in there. It's one word. It's I. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't sing. I can't pray. I can't preach. That I. But we have to get our eyes off of us and onto God. And when we begin to do that and realize that God is big enough, we say God's big enough, but 
we've got to come to the place where we know that God is big enough to do it through me. God is big enough to speak through me. And the real proof, because we say we want God, we want God, we want him to do this, we want him to change us. The real proof that we won't change is when the rubber meets the road, when the opportunity presents itself. Because if we say we won't change, the opportunity's coming. It's coming. We say that a lot around here. I won't change, God. I won't change. I want you to do this and do that. Well, the opportunity is fixing to present itself. And when it does, that's when we have the choice to step into it or to just stand still. But we got to step in. We were coming back from the hub or from Conway yesterday evening. Sister Monica said something and I didn't hear exactly what she said, so but I heard something else. And this is what I heard. Heard God say. It says when we hear a word from God, we have to make it personal. We can't allow it to stay generic. That's what we do a lot, is we allow a word to stay generic. It doesn't really apply to me, but it applies to somebody in here. It applies to somebody, but just, you know, that's a good word, but it don't really fit me. We can't allow it to stay generic. We have to make it personal. And when we begin to make it personal, then change comes. You know why I'm married to Dana? <laughs> because when we met, I made it personal. It wasn't generic. I made it personal. When we were up here praying here the other day, this is what I heard God say. He said, the wind of change is blowing. Not it's going to blow. He said, the wind of change is blowing. Says the wind will blow some things out, and the wind's going to blow some things in. It's going to blow some things out of our life, and it's going to blow some things into our life. But the wind of change is blowing. And when that wind of change blows, that it is blowing right now. We have to be willing to lay down some stuff, turn some stuff loose, and let it blow it out. It may be a good thing, 
but it's not what God has for this moment. But we have to let it blow some things out to be able to blow some things in. Because when it blows something new in, if we're still hanging on to something old, we won't grab it. We've got to grab what's new. Like Peter did. When the wind of the Holy Spirit blew through that upper room, he grabbed a hold of it. And that's what we've got to do when the wind begins to blow. We've got to be willing to turn loose of some stuff. And I'm not talking about sin. You know, that's got to be blown out as well. I'm just talking about ways of doing things. The old way. We've got to allow those things to be blew out of our life. See, I, I, during years ago when we would come to prayer, I uh, always, most of you have heard this, some of you may not. I always liked to, after prayer, I would wanted to go down to the bar pits, put my rubber boots on and go fishing the bar pits. Nothing wrong with going fishing the bar pits. But I had to allow God to blow that out to submit to prayer. And the reason I say I had to allow him to blow it out to submit to prayer, yes, I was coming to prayer, but I was not submitted. And the reason I know I wasn't submitted was because when it went more than an hour or two, I got frustrated because my fishing pole was in my vehicle. <laughs> I had to let it go and let the prayer blow in and grab a hold of it. Now I have plenty of time to go fishing. There are days I can go fishing most any time I want to. But we have to be willing to let some things go. You know, Apostle mentioned going to the hub. And we go to the hub. But you know, when we first started going, and it's still that way to some extent, she mentioned it this morning. We don't know when we go up there what's going to be required. There may not be anything required. There may be. God may say, do this. Like he told Apostle to pray for that young lady. <coughs> First time I went, you know, I'm going to the hub to see what's going on. God showed me something. I had to, I had to tell Apostle Darla what I saw. Over the hub. I didn't didn't know what was going to happen. Don't know when I, what's going to happen when I go up there next time. Who's to say that she's not going to walk by and hand the mic to me or to my wife or to Apostle or whoever or Sister Monica hand it hand us the mic and say here and turn around and walk away. But do we, do we choose to say, well, because I don't know, 
I'm not going. We go anyway, not knowing. We go not knowing. Did you know, uh, I looked it up, I googled it, fear not is in the Bible 365 times. I thought that was very interesting for God to put it in there 365 times, that's once a day. God says, fear not. Fear not. So if you want to, if you're willing to embrace change, if you're willing to say, God, I'm willing to step into life that I don't know what's coming. If you're willing to give up life as you know it, I want to pray for you. It's not a, if you're not willing to, I don't know that I would come down here because if something's fixing change, things are going to be required. Things are going to be required. And you say you're willing to give up life as you know it. See, what that is actually saying is, God, I'm putting all of my trust in you. I'm fixing to step out in faith and trust you. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.